Welcome. We are so glad you've joined us today. Are you ready for another Bayside Christian Church podcast? Let's get straight into it. And uh, today I want to talk about storms. Who loves a storm? And uh, yeah, well, so many people love a storm. Excellent. Who loves a cyclone? Oh, yeah, a few of you still like, yeah, okay, Rodeo, good. And uh, some people don't, some people do. And um, we've had a lot of storms recently and a lot of things happening. And I just want to share a few thoughts um, around storms. I want to tell you a story about our first camping trip. And straight away, Emma and the kids go, oh, no. Oh, no. Eight years ago, nearly to the day, eight years ago at Christmas, our kids, we took our kids camping for the first time to Fraser Island and uh, we, um, we went by, but to pack the boat up and we're going to stay on a creek on Fraser Island on this side, you're going to access it mainly by boat and uh, you had to access it at high tide when the tide's uh, high to get into the creek, at low tide there's no water and so the tide was in the afternoon um, and they were super keen to go camping, packed all the gear and it, it had gotten pretty windy and, uh, and a little bit rough out there but a boat's decent size, I said we'll make it and they were really keen to go and I said it's going to be a bit rough but uh, once we get in the creek it'll be okay and and calm, and so we we uh, packed the gear. It was sort of late in the afternoon, and we're driving across towards Fraser Island. It's pretty rough. Um, we had we had one and a half to two meter uh, seas, and um, but it was all good. Uh, halfway across, Emma's crying, kids are crying, everyone's in tears. And I said, it's okay. And we're more than halfway across. And I said, can we turn around and go back? Well, I said, well, if we turn around and go back now, we're closer to our destination than we are to go back again. So we have to go through the whole thing again to go back through it. Right, yeah, we'll keep going. So we made it across into the creek. And, um, and it was, it's calm in the creek. And uh, obviously very windy. And uh, we had a brand new... 12-man tent that my dad had given us and uh, we we're putting up. Have you ever tried to put a tent up in 25 to 30 knots of wind? Um, tw- not just a two-man and it was dark by this time and so we're uh, at... This is, this is like real camping, okay? You haven't been camping until you put a tent up, 12-man tent in 30 knots of wind in the dark. And so we did it. It took us a very long time. Um, and, and, we, and, we, and the sand pegs weren't there either. But we won't talk about that. And so, and so we're putting up the tent. We finally got the tent up. We got with a marquee and different things and cooked some dinner. The kids were tired or whatever after the traumatic experience of traveling in the boat. And, um, and they went to bed. And, uh, and then in the distance, I saw some lightning, and, uh, and, so, and I saw the di- where it was coming from, and I thought, well, that storm, you know, will miss us uh, from where it is, and, uh, and this spot where we were camping also didn't have phone coverage, very good phone coverage, so I couldn't check the radar, and then after a while, it was got, it got later at night, it's about 11 o'clock at night, and the sto- one storm had passed, didn't go near us, and then um, out a different direction, I saw a flash of lightning and heard some thunder, and I thought, oh, that's a bit strange having thunder out coming that way, and the storm doesn't usually come that way. Anyway, and then it's getting closer and closer and closer, and it's getting towards midnight, and I thought, there's a storm coming right up from the south, up Fraser Island, and it looked pretty intense, because as it's getting closer, Emma's in bed, the kids are in bed, I thought I'll stay up just to see uh, what's going to happen to make sure everything's tied down and okay, and um, where this storm's coming, and with the flashes of lightning, I could see the clouds rolling. Um, and so I thought, that looks like a fairly intense storm, and the lightning was getting more intense, and the thunder was getting louder, and at about midnight, I'm standing under our marquee, and I thought I'd tie some stuff down, I had nine kilo gas bottles um, tied to the 
hosts of the uh, of the marquee and all this stuff, all eskies full of ice um, attached to it, all just to weigh things down. Anyway, at about midnight, I could see this storm's going to come and it looked pretty intense. And this storm hit us, and I reckon the first gust was about 120 kilometers an hour of wind. And I was hanging on to the marquee, and it lifted me off the ground. Um, with gas bottles and everything attached. Um, And then simultaneously with the tent, six fiberglass poles snapped instantly on the tent with all of them inside. Um, They woke up, obviously, um, (laughs) with a tent collapsing on them. I could do nothing about it because I was hanging on to a marquee before I was going to be Dorothy flying off the camp. From Kansas, you know, it's the, and so, and I'm hanging on, going, I'm out here. I said, just wait, wait it out. And this storm hit, and uh, and so it blew for a bit, and then the, then all of a sudden the rain was heavy. Then all of a sudden I got hit with horizontal hail. Um, it was small, luckily, um, but it was coming horizontally. That's how strong the rain hitting me in the chest, and I'm just copping hail in the face and all the rest. And I'm just standing, oh, this is ridiculous. And so the boat's part. The boat was fine. It was parked in the creek, and um, and so where the tent's going, I said, I just stay there. Help you or whatever. I'm yelling out. And they're crying and screaming, and the kids are like, "What's going on?" and and uh, all that kind of stuff. So this went on for that wind went on for at least um, 25 minutes, um, and strong winds and gusts of wind. Then all of a sudden, I saw in the distance lightning hit the ground in the distance, and then um, everything just went white. Um, because a lightning strike hit the other side of the creek right in front of me, about 50 metres away in front. It looked about 10 metres wide and hit a tree across the other side of the creek right in front of me. And I thought, that looks a bit dangerous. And so, and, um, and then I'm standing there hanging onto a metal frame, you know, marquee, so it was with lightning. And then I saw another one, another lightning strike about 30 metres the other way. And I thought, mate, this is intense. So, and I'm obviously praying and going, God, help us, save us, save our lives or whatever. And, uh, and all of a sudden, then we got a bit of a lull. That, the wind sort of passed. It was still heavy rain. A lull, and I was able to get in the tent, grab Emma and the kids. We got them out of the tent. And our boat, we can sleep in the boat. So we got in the boat, which was now on a bit of a lean on a sandbank. That's okay. But um, they slept on a lean or not. But we packed in the boat to get some sleep. I stayed up. And, uh, and this storm, anyway, the storm lasted about two hours. And um, two hours of being intense rain. And at the end of the storm, the weirdest thing happened is that um, when the storm subsided and passed, the wind changed and it turned back around to the north again, went for south with the storm and came from the north again. And this wind came, which I've never experienced before. It was so hot, the air. I reckon it was 45, 50 degree air that just blew this guy with sand and blew like this really weird, eerie, like the storm was spinning and the tail end of it, this hot wind, and it was so hot it was just about burning you at 2 a.m. in the morning. And I'm trying to pack up all the gear and all this kind of stuff. And we, and we all thought at that point, we thought, oh, well, you know, tomorrow we'll be going home or whatever, our tent snapped and all that kind of stuff. Turned out the next morning we... Um, Assessed the situation, and uh, I saved the marquee because I hung onto it, and um, and it was it was okay, and we could sleep in the boat. We ended up, and the weather was great for the next two days, and we stayed at camp. There was another group camping up the creek from us, and a guy was camping uh, on a, in a four-wheel drive, and he had on top he was camping on top of the four-wheel drive in like a swag type thing, and he got a direct lightning strike hit the top of the car, and uh, it didn't hit him, but it hit the car. 
and he was uh, unwell, had to go to hospital. He was okay, but he had to go make, can make you sick, lightning, if it doesn't hit you directly. And, and he had to go to hospital the next day, unwell. And so it was fairly intense storm. So uh, fairly interesting camping trip. And now kids, that was it. And Olivia has memories of that for the rest of her life. And so, and I just have to mention the storm, and they all know exactly what I mean. And, uh, and so... Um, if they can survive that, then, you know, every other camping trip's a dream, you know. And so storms, you know, what you find out with storms is storms also have different, um, different scenarios where you'll find you'll have a storm will come and you'll have the thunder in the distance and you'll have the lightning and we've seen storms coming and then and then when a storm hits you'll have wind and you might have hail if it's an intense storm and then you'll have rain. So there's different phases in the storms. One thing storms do is they, they test our foundations. They show up weaknesses like tent poles. Uh, brand new poles, but no good in 120 kilometer hour winds. Meant to survive strong winds. No, they don't. Don't believe anything it says on the packaging. And so, and so it shows up weaknesses in things when you get through, through a storm. And life is the same. And so the last year or two, it's like we've all been going through the same storm. And not just a few of us, but the whole world. It's a storm and there's been different phases of this happening and that happening. And then, and then oh, well, then now, you gotta, now we're, we're doing this and now we're doing that. And, and so there's changes all the time. And it's like a storm can change. And, and in, in a real storm in, in the natural can change in different phases. It's like we've been going through this storm, which has affected everyone's life in different ways and some more than others. But it's like you've gone through different phases and people get affected in different ways. So COVID, the thing we've been through, which was, which has obviously changed again. I don't think we'll, you know, it, it, you know, I think we're sort of going through it, and it's going to end up subsiding, and we're going to see the back end of it, I reckon, in 2022. But there's been a whole lot of stuff been going on that has affected people. There's been a whole lot of Troy mentioned before. There's a whole lot of fear that has come through media and through even leaders, and the way they've spoken and things has brought fear to people. And there's people who have struggled with fear. There's people I know in this room that have struggled with fear, that have, that have been worried about this, worried about that. And it's an easy to get caught up if you're only listening to the media or that stuff all the time. Then it's easy to get caught up with the fear and, and wonder what's going on. And sometimes you've got to take a step back and go, hang on a minute. Let's just take a step back. What does God say about all of this? And that's what, what Troy said before was great. It's caused isolation for people, people with, with all those lockdowns and happening. there's people that have been very affected, not as much up here, but down south, especially in Victoria and places, um, we've got fr- people we know down there that have been, uh, lived by themselves, been massively affected when, when they were f- eventually could walk out of their house again, that they felt like they, they felt weird to actually walk out of their house. They've been locked up for so long. They thought it felt unnatural and they felt, I don't know if I can actually go outside. True. And so that's affected people mentally. It's affected people because of isolation. It's affected people because people have been separated from loved ones, haven't been able to see them or travel and all those kind of things. So in that way, it's been like a storm. It's tested people's foundations. It's tested Christians' foundations. It has caused people to ask the question, what is it that I put my trust in? What is it that I put my trust in? People People around the world trusted in their money, their possessions. Suddenly when all that got removed or stopped or they couldn't work, suddenly there's like, oh, hang on, my whole world's falling apart. So it's caused people to think, what, what do I put my trust in? 
Is Jesus really at the center of my life or am I at the center of my own life? Is something else at the center of my life? Is whatever it may be, is, is Jesus really in the center? Because the way you get through a storm, the way you get through life, the way that you succeed and overcome things is when Jesus is in the center, when he is in control, when you decide that I'm going to follow his ways, when I'm going to put him at the center and listen to what he says. No matter about all the stuff that's going, stuff will come and stuff will go, but Jesus' word, his word does not change and it is steadfast, it is true, and it is a strong foundation, shake the foundations and you better make sure that you put yourself on a foundation that can't be shaken and if you want a foundation that can't be shaken it's the word of God and putting Jesus at the center of your life you look all through history every idea is changed theories change things change all through history and God's word has never ever changed some Christians have grown stronger some have just disappeared off the right, there's people I know that have disappeared, that they just haven't come back. Some have really struggled. And I can understand people struggling. It's okay if you struggled a bit. There's changes. Things change. And sometimes it just throws you and there's things going on. But we need to make sure that we have a strong foundation. So everything we've been through is like a storm. But I want to tell you, storms don't last. And that's the name of the message today. Storms don't last. Storms don't last. They can be intense when you didn't even think you're gonna, are we ever going to get through this? Like we were camping going, when's this thing going to stop? But storms don't last. And after the storm, the sky is clear. The sun shines. The air is great to breathe. It's a beautiful, you usually get calm, beautiful, and the wind subsides. Everything is fresh because of the rain. Humidity's gone because the storms don't last. I was thinking uh, about some people in the Bible. And there's lots of references when you start to think about it, people in the Bible who went through storms. I want to talk about two people first up that went through some storms. And uh, one of them went through by themselves and, and, and one was with a group of people. But there's a guy called Jonah and, uh, who went through a storm and God goes and speaks to Jonah. And I won't read it all for sake of time. But he goes to Jonah and says, listen, there's a city called Nineveh. He's, there's, there's a whole lot of wicked stuff going on and uh, I want you to go and speak to them and just so they need to repent of their sins so, because I don't, otherwise I'm going to bring destruction upon that city because their sin is so bad. And Jonah doesn't like Ninevites. He doesn't like the people of Nineveh. He couldn't care less about them. And so God says, he goes, radio, and then he goes the opposite direction and goes, I'm not going to Nineveh. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going away. I'm the opposite direction, God, of what you want me to do. I'm going the other way. He goes to a place called Joppa and he gets on a boat. Thinks he can get away from God, and so starts sailing out in the boat in the ocean. This massive storm hits the boat, and the, and the Bible says that this Jonah, they're, they're terrified. All the sailors and the crew go, "What's this storm we're in?" And Jonah, the Bible says, is up the front of the boat asleep in the middle of the storm. I don't know how you can sleep in a storm. When I've been in the storm, there's no way you can sleep in a storm. He's asleep in a storm. The crew go down and wake him up, going, what are you doing sleeping in a storm? And what's going on? He said, and they're going, because they, by that time, they'd prayed to all their gods. And they prayed and done this, and, and nothing had happened. And they're, and they're like, which god do you serve? You know, start praying to your god. And he goes, I, I serve the god who made the heavens and the earth and the seas. And they're like, whoa. He said, well, and they didn't know that god. And, uh, and they're like, well, well what, what's, what, if he's in charge of all that, then what have you done 
that this storm is here. And then Jonah says, yeah, it is my fault. He says, I'm running from God. And he tells them, and they say, well, what should we do? What should we do? And he's, he's like, well, tell me, you've got to throw me overboard into a wild hurricane storm. They all thought the ship was going to break up. And they're like, we can't throw you overboard. We're going to kill you. And he goes, no, that's what you've got to do. You've got to throw me overboard. And so they're like, well, no, your blood isn't on our hands or whatever. And the Bible says they threw him overboard and into the waves, and instantly the storm stopped. Instantly went calm. And Jonah, obviously, when you read the story, got swallowed by a large fish, was in there for three days, Big long prayer in the fish's mouth. I guess he got nothing else to do and sitting in a fish's stomach or whatever mouth. And uh, he has his whole prayer to God saying, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I should have done what you said. And after three days, God tells the fish to spit him out. So he spits him out on dry land, on the side of the land where he should be, uh, on Nineveh's side. And, uh, and he says, okay, okay, I'll go to Nineveh. And so he goes to Nineveh. And the reason why God wants him to go to Nineveh, because he cared for the people of Nineveh. God deeply cared for them. But God is also a God of justice, and so there was great wickedness, and he said, he wants you to warn him. And he goes to Nineveh, and he tells them that you've got to turn away from your wickedness because God sees it, and, and there's going to be problems if you don't. And the Bible tells us there's 120,000 people living in Nineveh. The city's so big, it takes you three days to walk around the city and see the city. And as soon as Jonah speaks to them, it says from the highest and the king to the, to the lowest servant, all repent. They put on, they change their clothes. The king sits on a pile of ashes, the Bible says, and they genuinely repent. The whole city, 120,000 people turn and they all turn to God in one moment and so and after that Jonah leaves the city and he wasn't happy because they all repented he wanted them all to be destroyed great great Christian guy Jonah cared about people and so he goes out and, and, and he has his argument God oh you should you save them I knew you. and he says things like oh, I knew you were so nice I know you were so kind you loved them so much I knew they'd repent I knew you'd save them or whatever I knew if I went and did that that was going to happen it's like it was a bad thing and then and he has his whole argument with God and God and it says I want to read this one passage of scripture in Jonah 4 10 to 11 he says this and he's having this argument with God about a plant that died he's giving him shade and the plant dies and Jonah's unhappy with the plant because the plant dies like Jonah has got some serious issues like if Jonah had gone through COVID who knows what would, would happen to Jonah then the Lord said you feel sorry about the plant though you did nothing to put it there it came quickly and died quickly but Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness not to mention all the animals shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city and so it shows God's heart and the thing is that Jonah went through a storm, but out the back end of the storm was a miracle. And out the back end of the storm was a transformation of a whole city. And I want to tell you, at the back end of the storm we're going through are miracles, are salvations, transformations, God moving in great power. And even in this time, God was beginning to move across our land and there's a change and there's a shift happening. And at the end of storms, there is clear skies. The sun is shining and there is a freshness. There's a fresh wind that blows, a cool wind that blows and God's spirit is going to blow at the end when we walk out the back end of the storms that we go through in life. There's another story about Paul. 
And Paul's a prisoner. He's traveling. He's a prisoner of Rome. And he's being taken to Rome to talk to Caesar. And Paul and 275 other men are on a ship. And they're traveling from town to town. And the Bible says that they're sheltered in a harbor. And it was late in the season when storms were around. And they were going to leave. And Paul warned them and said, oh, you probably shouldn't leave. He said, there's going to be storms out there. They didn't want to listen to him. They said, we need to go to the next harbor. And they take off because they thought the wind was okay. And the Bible says they hit a storm of hurricane force. And it lasts for 14 days. 14 days. And so intense that they were throwing cargo overboard. They were trying to put ropes around the ship to hold it together because they thought it was going to break apart. At 275 men plus Paul in total. And an angel of the Lord one night appears before Paul and says, Don't worry. Tell them all that everyone on the ship is going to survive if they do what you say. And so he goes out the next day and uh, he tells him, he says, an angel come to me and said, if we don't leave the ship, don't try and evacuate the ship, don't go in the lifeboat, stay on the ship and every single one of you will live. For 14 days, they hadn't eaten. For 14 days, they had they'd been so scared they hadn't eaten for 14 days and, and it's getting to 14 days and, and uh, they see some land in the distance and it's a bit dark. It wasn't light yet. And they see some land. And they, and they said, oh, let's, let's head for, we're heading for that land. This is, might be a spot we can go. And Paul says, quick, eat some food. Eat some food. And they all ate some food. And they felt a little bit better. And they threw all the rest of the heavy load overboard. And they start heading for this bay. And people thought, oh, let's, let's jump in the boats and head for this bay. And the waves are crashing. And he says, no, don't get out of the boat. You won't live unless you stay in the boat. And they come along. They're about to sail into this bay. And they hit a shoal, a shallow reef. And it breaks the boat apart but they were close enough and people then jumped in the water and grabbed onto pieces of wood and they all swam and every single person was saved in the middle of the storm and so they were all saved but then this happens at the member at the back end of the storm there's always miracles at the back end of the storm there's transformation there's a purpose through the storm there's a purpose while we go through storms in life because God always brings out good in the midst of whatever evil or whatever stuff may be happening at the back of the storm that gets thrown at us God brings something good he turns everything around for good and it says in Acts 28 1 to 4 and 6 to 10 it says once uh, where they were safe on shore, we learned that we were on the island of Malta. The people on the island were very kind to us. It was cold and rainy, so they built a fire on the shore to welcome us. As Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was lay- laying them in the fire, a poisonous snake driven out by the heat bit him on the hand. The people of the island saw it hanging from his hand and said to each other, a murderer, no doubt. Though he escaped the sea, justice will not permit him to live. The people wanted, uh, waited for him to swell up or suddenly drop dead. Imagine doing that. Oh, you're going to die. We're just going to wait for you to swell up and see if you die. And, and so, but when they had waited a long time and saw that he wasn't harmed, they changed their minds and decided he was a god. That's a big, that sounds like COVID to me. It's like one day you're good, one day you're not good, and one day you're going to die, one day you're going to be a god, whatever. And so they thought that he must be a god because this snake hasn't killed him. Near the shore where we landed was an estate belonging to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us and treated us kindly for three days. As it happened, Publius's father was ill with fever and dysentery. Paul went in and prayed for him, and laying his hands on him, he healed him. Then all the other sick people on the island came and were healed. All the other sick people 
on the island were healed. As a result, we were showered with honours, and when the time came to sail, people supplied us with everything we could need for the trip. At the end of the storm, there's miracles. What if Paul had to go and that crew went through that whole storm just to get to that island because they wouldn't have made it there? They weren't going to that island. They weren't even going to go near it. But maybe God let them go through all that stuff just so they'd go to that island so those people could be healed. You never know. Sometimes you've got to go through some stuff to see breakthrough at the other side. And then, to finish that, I want to talk about two other stories. Jesus and the disciples were also caught in a storm together. Some storms you're in it together. Some storms you're in it by yourself. Jonah was in a boat with some others, but he was going through a storm all by himself. Paul was with it together with a whole bunch of people. And here's Jesus and the disciples in a storm together. One day Jesus said to the disciples in Luke 8.22, let's get to, uh, in the boat and go across to the other side of the lake. So they sailed and, as soon as Jesus, and soon Jesus fell asleep. But a fierce wind arose and became a violent squall that threatened to swamp their boat. Alarmed, the disciples woke Jesus up and said, Master, Master, we're sinking. Don't you care that we're going to drown? And with great authority, Jesus rebuked the howling wind and surging waves, and instantly they became calm. Then Jesus said to them, Why are you fearful? Have you lost your faith in me? Shocked, they said with amazement to one another, Who is this man who has authority over the winds and waves that they obey him? They were more astound. They'd seen him do miracles and heal people and all this kind of stuff. But when he spoke now to nature, he spoke to the waves and they obeyed him. They were in shock that the, even the wind and the waves obey him. The thing is, Jesus was there in the beginning. The Bible says he is the word. And when the word was spoken at creation, he was the one that created the seas. He was the one that created the waves. And so the creator can always speak to its creation and command its creation. And so Jesus was just speaking to what he had already created in the beginning. And with authority, said, no, just be calm. Jesus said, why were you fearful? Because Jesus said, we need to go to the other side. He had a plan on the other side. There wasn't, a, a, you know, there wasn't a, not a reason for them to go to the other side. They weren't going there for something to do. There was a purpose on why they, was going, why they were going to the other side. Many uh, Bible teachers believe that that storm that came up was actually a spiritual or demonic storm that was coming against them because of what we're about to read happens on the other side. And so Jesus has this reason he wants to go. And the enemy didn't want him to be there, didn't want the disciples to be there, threw whatever he could at them, because out the other side of the storm was a miracle. And so we read on that it says, As soon as they stepped ashore on the eastern side of the lake in the land of the Gerasenes, the disciples were confronted by a demon-possessed madman from a nearby town. Now Jesus, they'd just been through a storm and the boat comes through out the other side. Jesus calmed the storm and here they meet a man who's in his own personal storm, in, a, in his own world, a, a storm of demonic possession. Many times he had been put under guard and bound with chains, but the many demons inside him had repeatedly thrown him into the in convulsions, breaking his shackles and driving him out of the town into the countryside. He had been demonized for a long time and was living naked in a cemetery among the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and screamed, What are you doing here? You are Jesus, the Son of the Most High God. These are the demons speaking. They knew exactly who Jesus was. 
Jesus commanded the demons to come out of him, and they shouted, We beg you, don't torture us. His demons pleading. And we think that the devil has authority over the name of Jesus when we just speak it. They were pleading for Jesus to have mercy on them. What's your name? Jesus asked the man, what's your name? Mob, the demons answered. We are a mob, for there are many of us here in this man. That word mob also means legion. We never know the man's name. People just call him legion because he had a legion of demons. A legion was the largest Roman military unit of up to 6,800 men. So he didn't have a few. He had thousands of demons controlling his life. We beg you, don't banish us into the abyss on the hillside nearby. There's a large herd of pigs and the demons pleaded with Jesus, let us enter into the pigs. So Jesus ordered the mob of demons to come out of the man and enter the pigs. The crazed herd of swine swine stampeded over the cliff into the lake and all, all of them drowned. When the herders tending the pigs saw what happened, they ran off and reported it to the nearby town and throughout the countryside. Then the people of the region came out to see for themselves what had happened. When they came to where Jesus was, they discovered the notorious madman totally set free. He was clothed, speaking intelligently, and sitting at the feet of Jesus. And they were shocked. Then eyewitnesses to the miracle reported all that had, all they'd seen and how Jesus completely delivered the demonized man from the torment. After hearing such amazing power, the townspeople became frightened. Soon all the people of the region of the Gerasenes and the surrounding countryside pleaded with Jesus to leave them for they were gripped with fear. They were so they, they were so astounded at the power and what just happened. They were so afraid. They thought, this is overwhelming. This is too much from us. Can you please leave, Jesus? And so, so Jesus got into the boat, intending to return to Galilee. But the man who had been set free begged Jesus over and over not to leave, saying, let me go with you. And Jesus sent him away with these instructions. And this is important because I'll tell you why. Return to your home and your family and tell them all the wonderful things God has done for you. So the man went back and preached to everyone who would listen about the amazing miracle Jesus had worked in his life. So Jesus wouldn't let him come with him. Even the people, imagine the people, they thought, man, you're the, you're, they would have been scared of him too. Like, how can you have changed? Like, this, like how, this is just too much. That you were like this. We dealt with you. You're in chains. You broke chains. You yelled at us. You did all these terrible things. And, and yet you're this madman. You're known as the madman. And now you're normal. But he goes back and he tell, tells the people. He actually goes back to the Decapolis, which is 10 towns. And over time goes to all 10 towns and speaks to people and, te- and tells people what Jesus has done. And the amazing thing about this story is that a little while later on, you can read in Matthew that Jesus goes back to that region. And it says, after they, in Matthew 14, 34, after they crossed over and landed at Gennesaret, the people living there quickly recognized who he was before they told him to leave, before they said, this is too much for us, please leave, don't come near us. Now they recognize who he was. They were quick to spread the news throughout the surrounding region that Jesus had come to them. So they brought him all their sick, begging him to let them just touch the fringe of his cloak. And everyone who touched it was instantly healed. All because they went through a storm for one man. 
for one man to be set free, resulting in hundreds of people being healed and set free. Sometimes we go through storms. We go through storms for a reason. Sometimes we go through storms and we can't, don't know why. We don't know, you know, why have I gone through this thing in my life? Why am I dealing with this? But out the other side of it, when you can look back and go, that's why I went through it. You can look out the other side and there's miracles, there's transformations, there's salvation, there's healing out the other end of the things that we're going through. And I don't know everyone's story here. Maybe you've struggled during these last couple of years. Maybe you've been okay. Maybe you've grown stronger. Maybe you've been rattled a bit, but now you're sort of getting back on your feet. Maybe you know friends and family that have really struggled, that are they're hurting, that are going through individual storms, they are going individual circumstances that are tough at the moment. Maybe you feel like like you're sort of in this together with a few other people. What I want to tell you, at the back end of this storm, and we, as we step out the other side of this, there's miracles, there's incredible blessing, there's incredible favor. God is going to do amazing things. And, he's, and, and this year, I believe, as we've stepped into a brand new year, that right now, as we were talking about earlier today with those prophetic words and things, to now, today, you can step, start begin step into that and say, God, I'm believing at the back end of what's happening. You're just going to, I'm believing for miracles to happen. I believe you're going to set people free. People I've been praying for for years are going to come to know you. People that are healed, that I've been praying for, that need your healing, are going to get healed. They, they, you are going to do amazing things. Things I've been crying out for, we're going to see happen because at the back end of it, the sun will shine and a fresh wind will blow and the storm, the freshness will come in, in the air because you're, because Jesus is saying, yeah, I've gone through some stuff, but it has a purpose. It has a purpose. I'm going to draw all men unto myself. So what do we learn from this? As the You want to come up and... Strum your guitar. What do we learn from all this? Here's four things. When you're in the one of life's storms, make sure you've got Jesus in your boat. Make sure, when I said at the start about putting Jesus at the center, make sure Jesus is in the boat. Jesus, you know, the amazing thing about that, you can talk, we could talk for half an hour about that story. They're, they are freaking out in the storm, and Jesus is a complete peace, asleep not even worried he's like why did you even wake me it's like why are you fearing like i said we're going to the other side we're going to make it through don't worry about it and it's like he's totally they're all panicking and he's at complete peace in the midst of the storm you know god is god is you're able no matter what storms are thrown against us you're able to live with complete peace on the inside through any storm there can be a whole lot of stuff going on, but God can give you a peace in the midst of it. Well, you're not panicking, you're not afraid, you're not fearful, and people go, "How come you're not afraid? How come? How come you're at peace? How come you know you're not you're not stressed about this whole situation?" Say, so, "Well, I have someone on the inside. I have Jesus at the center of my life, and I'm a complete peace. I'm a complete peace in this situation. I'm not worried. I'm not fearful." In Proverbs 21:21, 21, 21, it's the year 22, but remember this: Proverbs 21. 21 Proverbs 21 21 it wasn't for last year it's for this year as well the lovers of God who chase after righteousness will find all their dreams come true an abundant life drenched with favor and a a fountain that overflows with satisfaction the lovers of God who chase after righteousness will find all their dreams come true, an abundant life drenched with favour and a fountain that overflows with satisfaction. In Proverbs 21, 21, in New Living Translation, it says, Whoever pursues righteousness and an unfailing love will find life, righteousness and honour. 
you know, who is the person that is righteous? And who is the person that has unfailing love? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. So you can simply say, whoever pursues Jesus will find life, righteousness, and honor. Jesus is righteousness. He is unfailing love. And we need to pursue Him. The second thing is, we need to be aware that the storm won't last. You need to be aware that the storm won't last. It's temporary. What we're going through is temporary. COVID won't last. It won't always be the same. It won't always be like this. It will change. It won't last forever. No matter what the media tells you, the media love it because it's easy for them to write stories, easy work. They can just write about all this kind of stuff. It won't last. No matter what, they, it won't last. God will change things around. Things will always change. We will come out the other side. It won't be the same as it was because storms change things. Where after our camping trip, we look at camping in a whole different light now than we used to. So you don't stay the same and life won't go back to exactly like it was. But do you know what? Life may be better than it was at the other end of the whole thing. Sometimes we just need to shake a few things off and know who is the most important thing in our lives. The third thing is we need to realize that even storms have a purpose on the other side. And the fourth thing is there are miracles on the other side of what we're going through. There is healing, salvation, and transformation when we stay close to Jesus. But the key is staying close to Jesus, keeping Him at the center. Let me just read one last scripture today. This is a great scripture as we move into a new year. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19 says this, But forget all that. In other words, forget the past. Another version says, forget what is in the past. It is nothing compared to what I'm going to do. For I'm about to do something now. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness and I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. No matter what you've gone through, no matter what you're feeling, no matter if you feel dry, maybe you've felt like it's been a struggle, I want to tell you He can bring rivers in the dry wasteland. Why don't you stand to your feet today? He can bring rivers in the dry wasteland. But the key is keeping Jesus at the center. Keeping Jesus in your boat. Keeping Jesus in the center of your family. The center of your life. Pursuing Him. Pursuing righteousness. Pursuing unfailing love. It's not always easy to pursue righteousness. It doesn't, it's not just a simple thing to do. Sometimes you mess up. Sometimes you don't get it right. But the key is you're pursuing it. You're pursuing it. You're pursuing unfailing life. Otherwise, treating other people like you want them to treat you. Treating other people like Jesus treated others with unfailing love. Loving those that don't like you. Loving those that hate you. Loving those people that are hard to love. Jesus said, I want you to love them with unfailing love doesn't mean you have to be their best friend, but He wants you to love them with unfailing love. Pursue righteousness. Pursue Jesus. And when you bring that together, He says, My favor, my blessing will be upon you. You can trust Him. We can trust Jesus. We can be complete peace 
in the midst of the storm. And you know what happens when people see that peace, when they see that you're calm, they, they start asking questions like, how come? How can you be so calm? How can I have what you have? How can I have what you have? Thank you for joining us. The Bayside Christian Church community aims to transform our city and beyond with the life and power of Jesus Christ. If you want to know more or just keep in touch, check us out at www.baysidechristianchurch.com.au or follow us on our social media sites at Bayside Christian Church.